0: Hello, and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. The goal of the show is to help you to uncover, eradicate, and to dismantle racism. I am so delighted that you are with me today. And as always, I invite you, if you would, To be sure that you leave a comment, ask your questions, tell us what you are interested in. You can do that by going to Facebook, if we're on Facebook Live, and just making your comments there. Or you can reach out at sacredintelligence.com. Contact me through the website and let me know what you think about the show. I also want to invite you, if you have not, to please pick up a copy of my book, Dismantling Racism healing separation from the inside out. Because if we are going to walk this journey of advocating for racial equity, we have to know more about ourselves and what we need to do to heal racism. You'll learn as we're talking today that it's not enough to say that I'm not a racist. We actually have to do the work that it takes in order to be an advocate for those who look differently from us Those who show up differently in the world, those who love differently um, than we do. Whatever differences we have, if we want to advocate, we have to do our own work. I also want to invite you, if you would, to make sure that you go to iTunes, um, Amazon Music, Google Play, any of those places, and listen to the meditations that accompany the book. As you know, we always start out the show with me doing a meditation, and that's purposeful. It's purposeful because it helps both me and my guests and you to prepare for the dynamic conversation that we're going to have. Puts us in the right place mentally, puts us in the right place emotionally, and of course, spiritually. For me, it grounds us for the conversation. All too often, people want to have conversations about race. And do not understand the emotional toll it will take on you and the other person. Do not, they, um, we often do not prepare ourselves in terms of just grounding us so that we don't respond or react. Put it that way, so that we're not reactive, that we learn to respond in the conversation. So there's a reason that I offer these meditations and I want to invite you to go and take a listen to those meditations they accompany the book but they're also done in a way to um, I've, I've added music to them I've added additional words to them so it's more than just what's in the book it's great for you to read them and it's also great for you to experience them so please do make sure that you go and just take a listen to one two, all of those meditations the meditations and the book are designed to give you the fortitude you need to continue this journey, because it is not easy to do the work of dismantling racism. So I've given you resources to help ground you in that. So now, I don't wanna delay any further. I wanna do what we always do to start the show, as I just said, is I wanna meditate with you. So I want to invite you, if you would, simply close your eyes, if you can, and ground yourself center yourself and begin to pay attention to your breath. Just breathe in and out. And I'd like you to take in some deep, long breaths and hold them, then release them. So just continue to breathe in and out. And connecting your breath with who you are, who you were born to be, connecting your breath with your divine wisdom in your sacred source. And as you're breathing in and out, recognizing the life that is in you, ask yourself are you doing the work? that your soul calls you to? Are you doing the work that your soul must have? Are you in alignment with your desires, your heart's desires? So just take that in just for a second. And as you're meditating on those questions, ask yourself, who do you wanna be at this point in time in history? Particularly as it relates to advocating for racism or against racism, excuse me, advocating for racial justice. Who do you want to be and what do you need to do to become the person that you want to become? Just breathe in and out. Connecting with your sacred intelligence, which is that part of you that helps you to manifest your greatness while helping others to do the same. Your sacred intelligence is that divine part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices. Your breath connects you with your sacred intelligence. So just breathe in and out and let that settle into your bones, to your essence. And now as you breathe in and out, give gratitude for the power that lies within you, knowing that you can change the status quo, knowing that what you do matters, and knowing that the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take another deep breath in, sigh it out, and give gratitude for this moment, and we say, and so it is, Ashe and amen. Well, today on our show, we are going to be talking about what does it mean to be an anti-racist? And you've heard me have conversation on the show before about that term anti-racist. Some people like it, some people don't. Some people will often say, well, why don't we talk about what we're for rather than what we are against? So there's a lot of debate around that because if you remember several shows back, I had um, a woman, a white woman in particular, who was on the show who's been doing this work for years, since the 60s or 70s. And her response was, well, the people who don't want you to use that one are usually white people. And she said, and it's because we don't want to confront our own racism. And we are fighting against racism for sure. And we can do both. We can fight against it and say what it is that we want. So on the show today, we're talking about what does it take then to become an anti-racist? And all too often, I hear people say, I'm not a racist. And I wonder if people really know, what is a racist? So in my book, Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out, I actually give a term for both race and racism. But I'll share with you what racism means when I speak of it. Ideas, beliefs, behaviors, systems, or practices that intentionally or unintentionally view people of color as inferior to white people. Because the thing about racism is that it does not require intent or malice. So the same people who will say, I'm not a racist, might make a statement like, I don't understand why all those kids of color or those black kids got accepted to college, but my daughter didn't. That actually happened to me one day. A white woman actually said those words to me. What she was saying after I said to myself, does she realize she's talking to a black person? What she was actually saying is they aren't good enough to get in. They let them in because of affirmative action, not because they were smart enough to. Or when folks are surprised that a Black person has a PhD or speaks well, those things, if you were to ask them, I'm not a racist, those are unintentional things. And they are also microaggressions that cut like a knife when people say those things. and They also perpetuate racism, even though it's unintentional. So there is work for us to do, which is why I say healing separation from the inside out, because the work starts with us. So my guest today, Leslie Michaels, is going to discuss what does it mean moving from I'm not a racist to become an anti-racist? She'll share a bit about her own story, and she'll also share what she's learned over time about doing the work and what it takes, what brings her to this place, the women she's encountered along the way. But let me tell you a little bit about Leslie. Leslie says that she was born a feminist. She was later one of the first women to break through the glass ceiling of the old boy industry of oil and glass. Leslie's body of unique life experiences have provided her with a first-hand understanding of the daily struggles that are faced by women of every race, culture and sexual orientation. Her best-selling book On the shoulders of mighty women is a tribute to the power and grace of those who came before and the ones who will follow, the warriors and the fallen. Leslie developed the Shattering Glass Ceiling training program for executive women to up level their comfort in advocating for their value. Presented through both groups and bespoke training programs, The program is rooted in actionable practices with proven results. Leslie hosts the Women We Should Know podcast. And I'm so delighted I was a guest on her show. And it features women who are leading the way in diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging, the pursuit of gender equity, women's financial empowerment, and female social and political sovereignty. Leslie is out there doing the work and the only way for Leslie to do the work, she had to do the work on herself. So I want to welcome to the show really quickly before our break. I want to say to you, Leslie, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so happy you're here with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Tara Lynn. It is an honor to be able to
0: be here. I am truly appreciative of the invitation. Well, we've got a lot to get into, Leslie. And so the tables are turned. I was on your, your podcast. And now I get to share all about you with my audience. And you get to help us, um, not just in unraveling your journey, but to be able to talk about how do we get past the I'm not a racist statement? Mm-hmm. How do we move beyond trying to prove? Because that's really when people say I'm not a racist they're right. really trying to prove to somebody else that they're not That's right. a racist. So we are going to be right back with the Dismantle Racism show with my guest, Leslie Michaels. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back.
2: Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. Always Friday.
0: We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today is Leslie Michaels, and Leslie, I want to start my first question. You know, when I read your bio, it says you were born a feminist. Tell us a little bit about what you mean by you were born a feminist. So you have to unmute yourself, please, for me. Thank you for the
1: prompt. <laughs> Should have done that. Um, my paternal grandmother was a suffragette when she was 13 her family was all about the fact that she was becoming an old maid because you know back in the day well she had no desire to be a farm wife Mm. so there was this young jewish boy who'd been coming around wanting to court her but her family wasn't going to have that either no jewish boy well she convinced him because she was a dynamic woman i'm sure even at 13 to elope to another state Hmm. and so a few children later building friendships etc it turned out that the woman who had become her best friend was the daughter of the bank owner because you know this was back in the days when banks were owned by human beings what a radical concept (laughs) and so Her friend became her champion. And my grandmother owned her own business and her own home in the 1940s. Well, let's skip forward a whole lot. And by the time I came around and was in my young adulthood, old enough to pay attention, it was clear to me that she always had these businessmen coming around having conversations. It was years after I had noticed that, that I found out that the reason they were coming around, I just thought they were her friends. No, they were her friends. But these were some of the more prominent businessmen in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they were coming to her for business counsel. Mm, mm -hmm. And so um, I started out there. Then I'm an old hippie. I mean, that's just what it is. I've been around the sun a few times. So (laughs) when 1970 came about, I did what old young hippies did. I was young hippie then. (laughs) I stuck out my thumb and I hitchhiked to New York because there was this thing called the ERA Mm -hmm. and the Women's Liberation Movement. And I wanted to know what that was about. And that, interestingly, Mm -hmm. was my first introduction to racism because it didn't exist in my grandparents' home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I found myself completely confused by the fact, of course we had Angela Davis and she was prominent and she was just amazing. Let me say, I got to hear her speak many times, but for the whole, the white women were excluding the black women and they were also excluding the lesbian community Mm -hmm. and so that put me into the frame of an entirely different life path of research and coming to understand why Mm -hmm. that was my soul why Mm -hmm. did not even compute with me they're women why are we not Mm-hmm. all bonded they want to they're out here they've been doing it longer than we have how how can we possibly excu- exclude these women who mm-hmm.
0: taught us how to stand up so so, so if we get my pause journey on that if we could pause on that for a moment because i think um first let me just say as a mother i'd be horrified if my daughters caught hitchhike any anywhere uh, today, like like the things that we know uh, now. Of course, part of that has to do with being a woman and then, of course as a black woman. Of course, I definitely would be. But I want to talk about this era and um, feminism mm-hmm. because that's actually still problematic today. Yes. there's this uh, tension between white women, white feminists in particular, yes. and black women, because there's still this this idea that we need to just be fighting for women's rights. And folks not understanding that, wait a minute, there's women's rights. And then there's being a black woman. Yes. And when I walk into a space, yes, I am. Um, I identify as a woman fully, but I walk in my understanding who people perceive me as mm-hmm. racially, even though it's mm-hmm. a social construct and I identify with my blackness. Mm-hmm. when I am when I'm advocating for something It's my, blackness that's going to take the forefront because I know that that's what people are responding to. And so when we look at people like Susan Susan B. Anthony, or even the Grimke sisters who I love, who were abolitionists, Mm -hmm. you know, there's still something about black women and the way we were treated. So there's a term that I believe Alice Walker coined, which is called womanist so mm-hmm. for black women, I often refer to myself as a womanist as mm-hmm. opposed to a feminist, and then I have to explain to folks that it is a black a black feminist to an extent. But here's the expansion: for womanist, we are concerned about all beings mm-hmm. and the elevation of all beings who are oppressed. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's part of the defining difference. And of course, you know, we do focus on um, women of color, but, you know, so as you're recognizing this, tell us a little bit about your own awakening that is not enough to say I'm not a racist, but to really you know, talk about what does it mean for you first to be an uh, anti-racist? And then what woke you up to that? Those may be the same question. I'm not sure, but talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, I was struck with this question
1: of why, and it has driven my entire life since that time. And so I started asking why I started asking what the difference was i started speaking to black women about i don't understand this and can you tell me how that makes you feel and i let me say tara Lynn, i asked those questions really badly in the beginning mm-hmm. and this is the thing that white women have to become courageous enough to do is to ask those questions put your foot in it um <clears throat> get the snap back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to be able to sit there and hear the snap back mm-hmm. and not be reactive to it. Did I always do that right? Not in the beginning. No. Could you, no, could no, you no, give
0: no. us an example? What, 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 what is a bad way that you might've asked if you can remember and got a snap back?
1: Oh gosh. I don't even think of, uh, let me see if I can even remember one. nothing's coming to mind. Um, I might have said something along the lines of. Well, I don't understand why we can't all be all just be united. We're all in the same fight. And then I would get a snapback about, oh, no, wait a minute. And then I would have an a very. Assertive, let's say, <laughs> uh, delivery on how black women had started this fight, at the time of slavery, then they uh, propelled the civil rights movement and all of this. And I came through that to understand the length to the to the degree that a white woman can mm. um, the length and the depth of the breadth of their struggle that had been ongoing long before mm-hmm. the ERA
0: came about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for sharing that because not a lot of people know that and are aware of that because all too often what has happened historically is that there are things that black folks started, but we may not have had the um, agency. And Mm -hmm. so a white person came along, took the idea Mm -hmm. and ran with it. So I appreciate you talking about that. You know, you said something really interesting And you talked about, like, when you get the snap back,
5: Mm -hmm.
0: what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. And I know that you and I have talked about people making a misstep. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people want to say, well, I'm not doing this anymore. And I I hear it often. And you tell me that you have heard it often Mm -hmm. um, because people fear the misstep. So what did you do? What was helpful for you? to say, okay, I'm going to hear what they're saying. I'm not going to get my ego involved or whatever. What was the talk that you did to help yourself move to the next level?
1: It was a process of getting the snap back, um, sometimes hearing, but in those early days, all too frequently getting defensive, seeing that relationships separate mm. that potential relationships separate understanding that that was a relationship that i really wanted i wanted to foster that mm-hmm. and sitting and being brutally honest with myself about what did you contribute to the breakdown mm. And being able—and this is another hard part for a lot of white women—I've had these conversations. Being able to go back and say, "You know, I sat with that. I was—I could not have been more wrong. I—I um, I apologize. That's all I have—is mm. an apology—and then that relationship still not continuing. And having to come to the understanding that just because I came to a realization and offered an apology, that did not mean that I had to be embraced. That person was not obliged to embrace me. Mm. They weren't even obliged to hear me. Mm. More often than not, they would hear me, even if the relationship didn't continue. Mm-hmm. and. I learned several years later from a black woman who to this day is a friend of mine. When she came back around, we happened to be, it was just pure the universe putting us in in the same place at the same time. And she sat down and we, we started a conversation and as it evolved, um, I, I said, I really missed the relationship that I had hoped would build. And she said, we can start now. Mm, Beautiful. I've watched you. And I know from what you've done and what I've seen, that those were not words. That that was your heart speaking. Mm. And so that gave us room
0: to, to build a relationship. No, Leslie, you, you said about four or five things in there, and <laughs> they're like, one, I think is really important for our audience to take away relationship. You had the desire to build a authentic relationship because sometimes people will say, oh, you're my friend, you're my whatever. Ugh. And, and we're not, you know, just like in, in a time to kill, he said, we're not friends, Jake. Exactly. This is because we're hanging out together. We're not friends. Because what do you know about me? Have mm-hmm. I let you in on the intimate stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you talked about the importance of relationship and what you said. You also, which I think is really, really important to know is your apology you do for you and for your growth, not for the other person. Yes. Be willing to accept whatever that other person throws out there too. I think that is so fantastic. I mean, that's like a kernel for people to make sure that they are taking away from today's show. It's like the other person doesn't owe you anything, Mm -mm. but your job, if you want to heal from the inside out is to do the work that you have to do and still say, where can I learn and grow from this situation? And then The third thing I want to say, there was more stuff in there, but I'm going to say one more thing before we go to break. When she said to you, I've watched you, and it wasn't just words. Mm -hmm. Like I feel that. I feel that. Actually, I feel that in my throat right now. I'm for Clem, just remembering that moment. (laughs) Because basically, you had to show her, Mm -hmm. she didn't ask you to. No, but you had to show her that you were authentic Mm -hmm. because all too often people can utter an apology and it can still be surface. Mm -hmm. If you had gotten caught up in your feelings that she rejected you and you weren't going to try anymore, guess what? you would have proven whatever she already thought about you, even unintentionally. So mm-hmm. right there, we can like end the show right there because you already <laughs> talked about like, like the lessons, the lessons, the lessons are so powerful about that exchange. But we do want to hear more from you. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with Leslie Michaels to continue talking about what it means to be an anti-racist. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? back with my guest today, Leslie Michaels. And Leslie, before the break, you were sharing about um, how you came to realize that it was not enough to say, I'm not a racist, and started the journey to becoming an anti-racist. And just for review of folks, just really talking about some of the deeper conversations that you had to have with Black women. So you recognize, first of all, you recognized that There were some things that were different for you as a white woman and for black women and then began to have the conversations and then had to sit in the missteps talk to us a little bit more about your journey with becoming an anti-racist and what were some of the things the lessons you had to learn along the way
1: well using that earlier conversation as a springboard two things that could be of real value to any of your white women listeners Is Number one, when my friend said to me, I've watched you, I was surprised because nothing I had done was for her or to impress her. Everything I had done was to find a place in me where I was at peace Mm -hmm. with the fact that I was going to keep kicking the bucket, maybe for the rest of my life, because... Let's face it, when you're born looking like me, you are inherently privileged. I didn't ask for it. It just came. And the other thing was that when she came back and shared with me, I understood at that moment the level of commitment that I had. It's interesting. I had had a commitment and I had been very active and still making a lot of missteps. I still do. Mm -hmm. But at that point, when she said that to me, I realized this is part of my soul. This is part of my being. This is part of my reason that I'm on this planet is to understand, not to impress upon other people. But to understand for my own being, and then as I'm understanding, if I share it and it impacts someone else, another white woman, all the better.
5: Mm, mm -hmm. But
1: I know that sounds selfish, and there is a level of that, I I suspect. But, um, But there's also a level where it's not selfish, because the more I learn... The less I, the less unconscious bias I have, mm, mm-hmm. the well, more actually I can book. lovingly and gracefully impact the women, the black women, the women of color that I engage with. And then I get to have these
0: additional beautiful relationships. Well, so Leslie, in my book, I talk about having a selfish mindset, which is about examining who we are. So from where I sit it's absolutely great. And a benefit is that you do get to have black, brown, uh, white friends. You get to have a diverse group of friends because imagine a world of sameness. Like mm-hmm. really, that's boring. Is it not?
1: Mm-hmm. I know. One of the things I say, Carolyn, to, to white women often, and like, tilt their heads, you know, how like a dog when, when they're puzzled, they'll kind of tilt their (laughs) a little puppy. Um, and I say to them, you cannot know what you are giving up Mm, because quite frankly, we as white people, we don't have culture. We have no culture. We have directives that are often to minimize other people but mm-hmm. we don't have an actual culture and my life is rich mm-hmm. because I have black friends and native American friends and Latinx friends and on and on and on. And I get invited to, I get invited to break bread with all of them mm-hmm. in the different ways they break bread. Mm-hmm. And my life is richer from all I learn from their
0: culture that they are so generous to share with me. Mm-hmm. it it absolutely is amazing when we open ourselves up to experience people mm-hmm. and um I've heard that said when, even in my teaching other white people say well you we know we, we don't actually even have a culture mm-hmm. right and so when I think about even what I learned from going to other cultures even across you know like the African diaspora it's like yes. wow, wow this is like So, so amazing. Well, Leslie, one of the things I want to point out here that I think is crucial for our our listeners is often when we think about racial equity, Mm. I think that many people think if they're going to be an advocate for racial justice, they have to be out in the street or they have to be doing something every day to specifically focus on it. What I have seen with your work and because you were born a feminist as you say actually you were born a disruptor i was born a born disruptor because you're you're disrupting more than just feminism in the work that you do but what i'm seeing from your work and this conversation is is that because you are conscious you naturally are inclusive and you naturally think about how do i incorporate other groups And the problem is for people who stay in this, I'm not a racist mode. They're not intentional about their actions because they're unconscious Mm -hmm. about the ways in which they perpetuate racism. Mm -hmm. So when they walk in a room or they look at their marketing materials and they see nothing but white people on it, it doesn't even occur to them that they need to include someone of color. Why? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm not a racist, but you're perpetuating racism. Exactly. And as you say that, something occurred to
1: me that has never occurred to me. I am so sorry. Allergy season, excuse me. And that is you spoke about intentionality. And you said that I am intentional about including other people. I had never realized it until you said that, but at this point, it's not that I am intentional about including other people because it has become as
0: natural as breathing to me. And that's actually what I mean about intentional. I don't mean that you are saying, Oh, I got to include a black person. Mm-hmm. And maybe the intentional was Not not exactly the right word. So thank you for this. I I love the dynamics of this conversation. Mm -hmm. What I am actually saying is your consciousness allows you to pay attention in ways that it's just natural, right? So maybe that's a different way of, of saying it. But if you are not conscious enough about racism. You don't recognize racism when you see it, but your awareness has made you say, well, why wouldn't I include a black person Mm -hmm. or Native American or Latin? You know what I'm saying? It's just, you're just looking, you know, often when people look at things, when they look at marketing or when they decide whether they're going to hire somebody Mm -hmm. and it's a person of color, they say, "Uh, you know, something's not quite right about that picture or they don't seem to fit with our organization. Mm -hmm. They're not conscious that it's the racism that's right for them. So I think what I'm saying is in your work, it has made you more expansive Mm -hmm. and more inclusive Mm -hmm. that you are saying Yes, we are going to embrace people. And this is a very different thought than saying, I don't see color, but we're going to hold that thought. We're going to oh, hold that. We're gonna, oh. I, I see your reaction. We're going to hold that. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what's the difference between saying, I don't see color versus embracing the differences mm-hmm. and wanting to be inclusive. So we have to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Leslie Michaels, the disruptor, uh, (laughs) as she continues to talk about being an anti-racist. We'll be right back. Hey,
2: everybody! It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic.
0: Back and Leslie, before the break, I made a statement uh, that I that there was a reaction that those of you who are just listening couldn't see when I said, There's a difference between saying I don't see color and then being expansive enough and inclusive enough where color isn't the thing that guides your action. So, talk to me about what went through your mind when I said I don't see color.
1: Oh, it just drives me wild, Tara Lynn. So I can't even fathom. I truly recognize that I can't fathom what it does for you. When someone says to me, as many have, I don't see color. Um, I will say, and it just came out of my mouth the first time I heard it and it's stuck. I didn't realize you're blind. <laughs> you You navigate this world really well. Hmm. Hmm. because it is that ridiculous to me it is that offensive to mm-hmm. me what mm-hmm. I hear and this is just me but what I hear when someone says I don't hear co- I don't see color is I don't have enough interest in my world mm-hmm. to understand anything more than my little corner
0: mm-hmm hmm Wow, and 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 I will tell you, for me and 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 as a person in terms of experiencing it and just teaching this, when I hear you say I don't see color, what it says is that um, you're not actively dismantling racism because you're not actively conscious enough to even be bothered with it. I think it allows you to kind of ignore how complex racism Mm -hmm. really is in this country Mm -hmm. and what it really says is you don't understand my struggles you can't if you can't see color you don't understand what it's like for me to grow up day in and day out and how you're gonna fix something you can't see
1: i would take it one step further tara lynn i would say not just that they can't understand your struggles they have absolutely. No interest, no curiosity, Mm. no compassion Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to engage in understanding your struggles, not understanding your struggles. That's fixable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But these other elements, this is where it becomes, this is where it becomes critical and, and, Creates critical situations in our society, an absence of curiosity, an absence of compassionate mm-hmm. curiosity, and a willingness to not know. Well, exactly. and a willingness to say, I really have no clue, and just start there even if you don't start an anti-racist study at that point, be
0: honest yeah yeah and and I love that because that actually ties it all in there If you can say to yourself what more do I need to know to be curious to be interested because when I use the phrase you don't understand my struggle what I'm really saying is you're minimizing my struggle exactly' because it's if you don't see what I'm going through. If mm-hmm. you don't see that color, when I tell you that something happened to me because I'm a black woman, mm-hmm. if you truly are interested, you'll say, tell me more about that. Or mm-hmm. you'll say, well, why do you think it was based on your color? As opposed to, this is what people say, Why well, are you sure it was about your color? Ugh. Or why are you playing the race card? But Leslie, as always, you know, we run out of time on these on my show because we're so engaged in what we have to talk about. So I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything that you want to share with people that you haven't already shared in terms of becoming an anti-racist and, and how you would encourage people to continue the journey?
1: Ask yourself, do you care about your world? Hmm. Ask yourself if you care about your country. Ask yourself if you care about your community. Ask yourself if absolutely nothing in this world changed between now and whatever time you are called out of this world. Are you okay with that? Mm. Is this okay? Is this enough for you? Is this enough for you to leave to your children? do you Mm. feel like this is enough for you to leave to your grandchildren your great-grandchildren well then if that's the case i have nothing for you but (laughs) if i mean that's just the way i'm nothing a bit more
0: blunt with it
1: (laughs) (laughs) not to put too sharp a point on it but if there is any little tingle inside of you that says maybe not Maybe not. Follow that thread wherever it takes you. Be scared. Be uncomfortable. Feel stupid. It's okay to feel stupid. I can't tell you how many times I feel stupid for not knowing what seems so obvious. Be courageous in these kinds of ways. We don't see the understanding of the word courageous i don't think in a broad enough context it takes courage to feel stupid it takes Mm. courage to receive snapback it takes courage to apologize and expect nothing in return Mm. be courageous be courageous Mm.
0: that final one is is really huge leslie to say Expect nothing in return. Because most people, when they think about their fears and their missteps as it relates to racism, they worry about shame and guilt, which we didn't really go into today. But a lot of people, when they make a misstep, then they live in their shame. I've had people, I was teaching a course uh, just very recently. uh, This church invited me to come in and I was asking participants why they were there And this one participant said, because when we were engaged in a conversation separate from the course, you said something that challenged me, challenged my act. And when I got in the car, I had all kinds of conversations with myself and (laughs) my family, like, well, how dare she say, blah, 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 blah. And then I had to just take a step back Mm -hmm. and hear what you said. And that's Mm -hmm. why I'm in the course. So we're going to make the missteps. We're going to walk in fear. Sometimes we're going to feel guilt and shame, which I never encourage because it doesn't really take us to the next step. Deal with the emotions of the situation and let's move from there. Leslie, it has been a delight um, to have you on the show. And I wonder if you could tell people how to get in touch with you and then offer us some words of encouragement uh i mean you just did offer us plenty but if you have another little kernel you want to offer us i want to give you the opportunity to do that but first tell my audience how they can reach you it's easy leslie now let
1: me tell you i have a british mom so it's l-e-s-l-e-y michaels.com My website will take you all over the place. My social media sites, my programs, my book, whatever it is I'm doing. So I make it as easy as possible. I was, as far as one little kernel, I just had this beautiful woman on my podcast the other day and she was talking about the secrets we keep. And the number one secret in her extensive research that we keep is our shame. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if you get snap back and it's uncomfortable, don't walk away and bury it inside of you. It causes us to have physical illness, emotional illness, um, mental illness. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And how do you get rid of it? You look at why you're ashamed. Are you ashamed because you didn't know that? Well, then go out and learn. <laughs> that'll cure the shame mm-hmm. go out and apologize and expect nothing in return but let go of the shame
0: mm-hmm. Leslie thank you so much for being on the show today thank you for being a woman who walks uh courageously in spite of fear because it's courageous doesn't mean that you don't have the fear mm-hmm. thank you for that and thank you for your dedication to be an anti-racist and a disruptor Of the status quo in every way. I deeply appreciate you. I deeply appreciate my audience for listening today. Please be sure to comment on Facebook or go to my website, as I said, sacredintelligence.com. Contact me. Let me know the types of people and discussions you'd like to see on the show. Please stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Lebowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that part of you that will allow you to make choices that manifest your good while manifesting the good of those around you. Know that what you do matters. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time. Bye for now.
3: Are you a conscious co-creator?